0: every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Let's give one up for the Oregon state Beavers to begin this podcast. They host Arizona State and went 35-34 to 34 in what was one of the more complete offensive games out of Corvallis. We're going to break that game down and the other three games on the Pac-12 slate in this podcast. Welcome everybody to Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network along with Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin, happy to be with you for another edition. Recapping a busy week 12 around the Pac-12. And Ryan, I think that this weekend went sort of how we expected Last week, I know that Chase Garbers played when we thought he was doubtful. He ended up only playing a couple of quarters, got injured. USC ended up slaughtering Cal 41-17. to But I want to start with the Oregon State-Arizona State game. A game that is intriguing to me because, number one, of Arizona State's youth, but also because of the ability of Oregon State to offensively overpower Arizona State to a victory in Corvallis, a place that Oregon State has sol- seldom won this season. And for me... I think Jonathan Smith might actually be my coach of the year out of the Pac-12 at this point in the season, just because of what we've seen out of Oregon State from where we expected them to be in this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's done a tremendous job, but you can't you can't give somebody the award because hey, man, you were supposed to suck, but you didn't. <laughs> All right, the, the the coach of the year is Mario Cristobal or Kyle Whittingham. Period. With what they've done, if they're able to win nine or ten conference games and win the conference championship, I get it. I get. I understand that Jonathan Smith has done a tremendous job, and and uh, I, I I really think this is more of a referendum on what Herm Edwards has done he's lost four consecutive football games he was brought in to be a perennial top 15 football team by Ray Anderson I know Ray Anderson told us uh, before the year started that he is not going to quantify this season with wins and losses but hey at some point you have to win football games and they have Oregon this week now I know Jordan Simone has went out on social media saying that Arizona State's going to upset and win versus Oregon this weekend, which I think this is a little bit of a under-the-radar football game because of how good Arizona State's been in terms of what people think the last couple of years. I, I don't see that happening. Um, but I, I give Oregon State a ton of credit for winning this football game, for getting a stop late in the game to, to take away that two-point conversion. Um, Jonathan Smith has done a tremendous job. They have a chance this weekend – Uh, to win against Washington State on the road to get to six victories I I doubt they're going to be able to win the Civil War Uh, it would be a shock if that something like that happened especially here in the Pac-12 and especially nationally but this is the weekend they're going to have the opportunity to go on the road where they've been very good this year winning three games on the road so far uh, against a Washington State team that's really up and down from week to week and get a chance to win their sixth game so I I think this game uh, and the way it played out was exactly how I had it planned I, I had I had the Beavers plus the two-and-a-half points, and uh, they took our business uh, this weekend in Corvallis.
1: The Beaver Beavers from Vegas, which is what the folks in Eugene call Corvallis, they ended up squeaking out the 35-34 victory over Arizona State. You mentioned Washington State. Well, they also had a victory. It's crazy how many five-win teams – currently represent this conference.
0: Listen to this stat, all right? Now, this is for everybody out there that watches the Pac-12 conference and sees that they have a different conference schedule than, say, the ACC and the SEC, right? They play nine conference games. Let's say the Big Ten, let's say the uh, Big 12 and the Pac-12 all decided to play eight conference games like them. So this weekend coming up would be Cupcake Weekend. This would be, you know, teams that they played in the past, Montana, San Jose State, um, Western Carolina, Furman, things like that. This is the weekend of of, of those Samford, that's the games that the Pac-12 will be playing this year. There would be a chance that every Pac-12 team in the conference, all 12, would be a bowl eligible this year. Wow. You'd have 12 teams eligible to go to bowl games. You're not telling me that would be the conference, the conference of the year, the conference that is the most competitive? You know, that that that's what it's about. And, but instead, they play conference football game this week. And while everybody else is out there not playing those types of football games and and uh, for me, it's it, it's huge. These are 5-5, five and 4-6 five, and six teams that are vying for that opportunity if they get the chance.
1: We opened up our, our Pac-12 podcast back in, in September or late August, Ryan, talking about the national perception of the Pac-12 coming into the season and what the Pac-12 needed to do as a conference to sort of start changing the narrative in its favor. At this point where we sit, you just threw out this idea, well, if they decided to schedule, you know, FCS or low-end FBS football teams there's a chance all these, all 12 teams could be eligible. With that knowledge, obviously it's not going to happen. Does that show that this conference really is way more competitive than the credit it's given?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It just it doesn't get the same kind of conversation around uh, there hasn't been an elite team at the very top. This year we've actually thrown two elite teams into the mix. Uh, the USC loss is really a, a, an anchor on Utah. Um, and, and the Auburn loss, because of the teams they're going to be compared to, come December 8th. That's a problem for Oregon. So those have been the biggest takeaways, and their lack of ability to win big non-conference football games. Those are the two, I think, ingredients in this recipe that that the national conversation has been tilted towards the Pac-12 in a negative way. But I, I, I believe that both Utah and Oregon uh, deserve to be in the conversation, and if one or the other are undefeated uh, or or uh, one lost Pac-12 champion when it's all said and done, belong in that fourth spot, fourth and final spot for the playoff. Because I, I do believe that the three spots ahead of them are set in stone with Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. All
1: right, so let's get into this debate then. Oregon, Utah, Oregon beats Arizona 34-6. to Utah just dismantles UCLA 49-3. to Those three points came in the first quarter for UCLA, and then it was all Utah all the time with this one. Judging by your top 25 rankings that you released this morning, Ryan, you have Utah for Oregon at five. I think you had Utah above Oregon last week, if I remember correctly as well. Even Okay, so I got the head shake. So, no, you didn't. So, I'm misremembering. So, was the Utah win over UCLA more convincing to you than the Oregon win over Arizona to have Utah above Air, uh, Oregon in this conversation? Yeah, and,
0: and what you're supposed to do every week, you, you you crumple up what you did a week ago and you reevaluate. And for me, Utah... Um, wants you know Utah and Oregon both want to win football games. Utah right now wants to destroy you. They want to put you under the ground. And that's what they've done to every opponent they've had since the USC loss. Common opponents between Oregon and Utah, Utah has de- decimated a ton of them. The only difference is it's that USC game. O- Utah loses to them. Oregon just beats them down in the Coliseum. So that's my argument right there. They easily could be right back and forth. They may bounce back and forth until they play each other. But right now, I feel like if Utah played Oregon, Utah would win that football game. And I would dare to say they could win by, by double digits right now with what they do defensively and how they're able to counter offensively. Well,
1: I mean, so you think that because of Oregon's inability to run the ball consistently, 34 attempts, at barely 140 yards last week, and Utah's strength up front out, outmatches what could be a good Oregon defense against a Utah offense that has struggled at times, not consistently, at times uh, throughout this season.
0: Yeah, I just I think Oregon would probably be a favorite in Vegas just because of like the, the the perception of everything. But there's a there's a good chance that this Utah team could win this football game by by ten points to fourteen points, and that's because of what I've seen over the last six weeks from Utah. Not necessarily what I've seen in the last six weeks uh, with Oregon. I think it's going to be a great football game, but right now. I think Utah might be the better team. We'll see. That's why I have them, you know, right there, ranked ahead of them, barely in the the top 25, as well as my my Pac-12 power rankings this week.
1: Tyler Huntley went 14 for 18 for 335 yards and two touchdowns. Zach Moss ran the ball 17 times for 127 yards and two touchdowns. This one-two punch that Utah has, I mean, to to have 18 attempts and to throw 335 yards is really, really efficient. Tyler Huntley obviously has progressed throughout the season uh, from an efficiency standpoint and it makes Utah's offense very dangerous when you pair him now with the Zach Moss power running game that one-two punch I think has more than enough to beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship if they end up playing which they they will end up playing Um, but I also I still think the Oregon front seven can pressure enough to give that offense a chance now do you think that Oregon looked a bit lethargic offensively against Arizona in this game, or do you think the 34-6 to win was enough stylistically to say, okay, I'm happy with this win. I'm happy how they played. Let's move on to next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, they covered. They they won by a bunch of points, didn't allow a touchdown. They did everything that that, that you wanted to. The difference is, is that Utah did more, you know, in, in a, a scenario where you're not used to that. I mean, we asked Kyle Whittingham the question a week ago, you know, do you need to have style points? Now, he said his team – that's not in their DNA, but if I'm the committee and if I'm people looking from the outside and I look at that score, and everybody was talking about how UCLA is this, you know, you know Chip Kelly's got them, got it figured out and they're moving forward, you know, Chip Kelly and this team easily could go four and eight, right? You know, improve by one game. Now they're looking at the possibility of a of a of a bowl game in pretty difficult scenario. If they lose to USC this week, they're that they're out of the conversation. So. Um, you know, Utah left no doubt. Let's just put it that way. They left no doubt. Oregon did what they had to, but there has to be some style points going down the stretch here because the worst thing in the world that could happen is LSU loses to Georgia in the in the SEC Championship. There that that's the recipe for two SEC teams getting out and uh, a one-loss Oklahoma team and a one-loss Pac-12 champion being left out of the conversation. So what needs to happen for both of those conferences, they need um LSU to go undefeated, and then to have a free-for-all for that last final spot. Oklahoma with one loss, Big 12 champion. I, I think the way the rankings have come out and have been behind both Oregon and Utah through this process leads me to believe that they probably wouldn't get in if there's a one-loss Pac-12 team. Now, the difference for me is is Alabama still in the scenario. We'll find out Tuesday night how far the committee drops Alabama because of the loss of Tua. Now, I know everybody's throwing the Cardell Jones uh, situation in there where uh, Ohio State wasn't in the mix. They were down to the third-string quarterback. Still get in, win the national championship. Mac Jones has Western Carolina, and then he's got Auburn, who's going to be in the top 20. Depends on how they beat an Auburn team. Because if you take Oregon as a comparison against an Alabama team, the only difference that's going to be there is a conference championship. Now, is a conference championship more than a head-to-head against a common opponent? And it, say Alabama beats them 49-10 to or something like that. You know, that's the question. I cannot, and my co-host on my Pac-12 this morning radio show, Guy Haberman, says, no, Ryan, it cannot happen, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. An 11-1 Alabama team will not get in over a conference champion, um, Pac-12 champion. And I just, after, been in, after, after having been in that room and now seeing the bias that exists that the SEC is the end-all, be-all in conferences, worries me a ton for the Pac-12 champion that they would not get in because of that and I, I I can't believe it to be true I don't believe it's gonna happen it's just a it's a real fear that exists for me
1: how do people who haven't seen this process like you have have the assurance that that um that Rob Mullins doesn't have any sway in favor of the pac 12 versus the rest of the committee
0: well he gets you know he gets he has to be he has to remove himself he's out of the room for all conversation in the first six picks he has no play on the first six picks huh because you go out and you pick six and then if he comes back in and Oregon's still in the next six he's got to recuse himself once again so he's not in that conversation now let's not say that you know when they're all standing outside the room around the the bucket of bacon uh that he's not going you know he's not putting his two cents in for not only his alma mater or not for his school that he's the athletic director at but also the conference you know that's We'll see. That's why I don't necessarily like the recru- recusal process because you've got to have somebody advocating for the Pac-12 in there. When he's not, I don't know who is in that room who's actually advocating for the Pac-12 in terms of strength of schedule, uh, strength of conference, things of that nature. Justin Herbert, uh, first pick in the NFL draft possibly on a national um, platform in the national semifinal. That's huge for me. You know, Not Mac Jones, who would be replacing Tua you know that that for me is a big deal. So I think I think that's really swayed and biased towards an SEC right now. And I don't think this year that the SEC is all that. I really don't. I don't think Florida is as great as people think. I don't think Auburn is. I don't think Georgia is. I certainly don't believe Alabama is. I think LSU is a pretty darn good football team. But the fact that they you know you know hung on and beat a Texas team. Texas is not not anything. And that win doesn't mean it as much to me or anybody anymore. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's uh, head and shoulders, a better conference than, than the Pac-12 right now.
1: You sort of alluded to this idea of Justin Herbert, semifinal national stage. He needs it. Uh, the, the local boy from Sheldon High School out in Eugene, Oregon. You, you threw out the idea of possible first overall pick. What have you seen from him? Because for me, that was my mindset coming into the season and and I would argue now that it's probably regressed a little bit. What have you seen from him this season that gives you hope that that still might be the case?
0: I don't know where you saw any regression, but the guy's been monumentally better. He would have been the first pick in the draft probably a year ago right. if Kyler Murray didn't set, decide to play. Because, I mean, that was just going to be a fit with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, you know, nothing dissuades me from him being the first pick in the NFL draft next year. And he's going to measure like crazy at the combine. I mean, he's going to have every physical trait. He's going to do unbelievable in the interview process. Uh if the knock on him is it that he's not extroverted enough, that he's not that type of leader, you know, ask and talk to his coaches. They're gonna and his teammates, they're gonna tell you much differently. Three interceptions. The interception this weekend wasn't his fault on fourth down tip ball. Um what is he at twenty eight touchdowns? Twenty eight and three. Come on now. I mean, that is absolutely unbelievable. And they are not they don't revolve around him, right? They they run the football, they do different things. You know he's going to be in a more pro style offense at the next level, and I think he's going to be really, really special. So, for me, he's only his decision to come back has only bolstered the opportunity to be the first pick in the NFL draft, but also again now giving him a chance to be in the national championship conversation. Watch Mario Cristobal and that team do something special. Get in, in the fourth spot. Uh, depends on who they have to play. If they have to play Clemson, um, you know that's going to be a, a, a bad deal. Um, hmm. They have to play LSU hey, if LSU is number one in the country, I like that matchup between LSU and Oregon in round one. Uh, I'd love to see Ohio State and Clemson in the national championship, but if it's in the semifinal, I'll still appreciate it just as much.
1: For Arizona, now that we're sort of down this, this quarterback rabbit hole, they, they decided to play Grant Gunnell very sporadically in this game, and I'm not going to call this season a wash because there's still a chance that they could be bowl eligible, but you have to start thinking about the future. You have to start thinking about, okay, past, post-Khalil Tate, what do we do with this offense? And I was a little disappointed to see that once Cleo Tate came back no, in. No, no, we're
0: gonna, we're gonna, let's, let's, let's throw the season out. They're not gonna be bowl eligible. Okay. So they play, they play four yeah. wins. That's it. They play Utah this weekend. <laughs>
1: we'll get to it on Thursday's pod. They play Utah and end the season at Arizona now State. Now that,
0: that game you throw into the, you know, it's a territorial cup. It's a rivalry right. game. So gonna, at best they they're gonna be five and seven this year, which means two consecutive years of five and seven with the most dynamic quarterback you can imagine uh, after his freshman year. You get him. Uh, Kevin Sumlin comes in and goes five and seven in consecutive years with uh, – I don't know what that means. I don't know what administratively what they'll think about it. But as this Arizona team processes and goes through the rest of the season, uh, you have to look on, on the last two years in particular this year as an incredibly disappointing effort.
1: Do you think the future of the Arizona schools is actually bright – for me, Arizona State, Jaden Daniels, a freshman, has all the intangibles to be a great quarterback down the road. They have great recruits coming in, Chad Johnson Jr., Chad Ochocinco's son. They have a five-star linebacker from Calabasas, LaShawn Bell, coming in. They have another five-star wide. I mean, this team is building for the future in Arizona State. And Arizona has some younger guys, too, that are that are, have the intangibles. Is Arizona football and Arizona State football making a, a push in the future to make the South even more competitive, or do you disagree? <laughs>
0: I mean, the, you're, you, you work in the world of recruiting. I mean, that's what you do. You bet on futures. I have not looked at one recruit. I don't care about their recruiting rankings. I don't look at any of that stuff. I look at what I see on the football field. And what I see on the football field from both Arizona and Arizona State is poor. It's not good. It's not a good product at all. Not enough to win championships in this conference. So unless you got, you know, uh, Khalil Mack-type recruits coming into both those places – to perform for these football teams they're going to be in the middle of the road in the south which isn't good enough not for what Ray Anderson wanted not what they what they wanted at Arizona when they brought Kevin Sumlin it's just not going to be good enough if you're going to be seven and five five and seven six and six you know unless that's what what you're looking for you're looking for it to get to a bowl game but guess what they had that in Todd Graham they had seven and five bowl game with Todd Graham you know we'll see how it goes I'm not I understand you got to take a look at the bigger picture and what's coming, and they're recruiting um, strongholds in, in, in Southern California now, especially for Arizona State. You know, we'll see, but right now, Arizona State has a chance to go on a six-game losing streak to end the season. And that is that is going to look really poor, and you're going to say that, oh, the honeymoon with Herm Edwards is now over. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out, but, I mean, if you're – a fan base—you're excited by Herm Edwards, but you're not excited about about the product on the football field, except that they've been really competitive in those football games. Where Arizona has not, Arizona's gotten beat thoroughly. Arizona State at least is in football games; they just happen to be losing right down. I mean, the—I think the, you know, the biggest blowout this year was the Utah game where they got thoroughly beat in that in that storm in Salt Lake City, and then they got run down pretty good by UCLA early, but came back in that game to make it make it closer. But you know, they haven't gotten run out of the room like they like their counterpart in Arizona has this year.
1: The Arizona schools combining for nine wins, 11 losses so far on this season with two games to go. The final game, Arizona, Arizona State. Should be intriguing just for bragging rights in the, in the state of Arizona, but I don't think it'll be uh, anything too special. You talk about the Cleo Tate hype. I, I, I sort of look at him sort of like when Jeremy Lynn broke out with the Knicks. Everybody freaked out. It was very short-lived. The following season, there's that drop-off. He did lead them to that big win against Oregon last year. But again, I wish Grant Gunnell played more in this game. It's time to just put put what happened behind you in Arizona and start looking towards uh, the future. In my in my mind, because again, I think this season is a wash again. Uh, if you're Arizona,
0: yeah, it's been a wash for a while. So um, now, specifically, you know, you got the what I consider the best Pac-12 team coming into your house this weekend. It's it's probably going to be pretty ugly. They're 21 point underdogs at home. Um, you know, they lose this weekend. They're officially out of the conversation for bowl eligibility regardless of what they do against their rival in Arizona State the final weekend. So, yeah, uh, two five-win seasons for Kevin Sumlin in his first two years. Um, that's, that's not going to be good enough, in my opinion.
1: Let's wrap it up with the Washington State-Stanford game. We have not talked about that game. Washington State, 49-22 against Stanford. Were you surprised by this result at all, or do you think that uh, this was something that was expected at home? Gordon, 520 yards, five touchdowns.
0: Didn't Mills throw for over five hundred yards too?
1: He was close to it. Let me let me get that box score up. Yeah, five oh four. He had the two interceptions.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the difference, right? I mean, Anthony Gordon is is as good of any quarterback that Mike Leach has ever had. The problem is, is they're the freak show at the circus, right? They put up all these great numbers and you know, they're five and five. That's the difference. Their defense is poor. Um, they can't stop anybody. I was really surprised that Stanford just completely abandoned the running game, which has been a decimating thing for Washington State, which could have controlled the game differently. Um, but they did enough at home uh, to really put a beating on a Stanford team that they have controlled over the last four, four years. And now they have an opportunity against an Oregon State team to get bowl eligible. Um, the more and more I look at Washington State and, and the chance to get to 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, for sure, I, I see as a win. I saw him as eight and four before the year started. I thought the road schedule was gonna be really, really difficult. Uh, defensively, I wasn't prepared uh, to see what happened with the loss of Jalen Thompson, the effect that the, he would have on that defense and the difference that, that they would the difference in, in how they would be. So um, proud of how they've done that. Um, still still have to walk away and say we're five and five and, and understand what that means. And what Mike Leach needs to do is find a way to somehow upset and beat Washington in the final game of the year and then go out and find a defensive coordinator that he can get along with that have the same philosophy and figure out how to be better on defense. Because if they're not, uh, it's just going to be year in, year out. Maybe they have a big year but not enough to win a championship or they're middle of the road. And, you know, if you're a fan, and maybe I'm too close to this because I'm an alumni and, and maybe too emotional, but I learned a year ago that's not good enough to just be that and be okay with that. I think that's why I'm so critical of, of their performance this season.
1: So what what fits the bill? Who fits the bill defensively for, for Washington State? Who's somebody that they can bring in who can compete defensively in this conference, recruit competitively in this conference, and also get along with Mike Leach? Is there somebody that comes to mind, or is it luck of the draw? Is it trial and error? How do you reconcile the fact that this team has struggled defensively consistently for the last few years? And it's finally time well, to really – Well, they
0: haven't for the last few years. They were really good last year. The front seven was really good last year. They were really good last year. So it, this for me is uh, – this is Alex Grinch's defense. This is the bottom end of Alex Grinch's defense. And what Washington State continues to do is to lose great coaches to other places that can pay more money, assistant coaches. So this is this is also on Pat Chun. This is Pat Chun being able to go out and get a, enough money to um, make sure that Mike Leach's coaches continue to stay there. Joe Salavea. Goes to Oregon, right? Uh, they've lost like three coaches at the University of Oregon. Alex Grinch goes to Ohio State where he wasn't even the defensive coordinator there. He was co-defensive coordinator with Greg Schiano and didn't really get to do anything. Right. Now he's at Oklahoma and he posted a shutout on Saturday night to get in that comeback against Baylor. So unless you can go get Alex Grinch, you better go find the next closest thing. And I don't know if they're capable of doing that. I don't know if, if Mike Leach is able to do that. I mean, Alex Grinch wasn't a name for anybody when he got here. You know, he is now and maybe he needs to go find a name. Tracy Clays was a great fit. I do not know what happened in that process. It just blew up and therefore puts them in a situation where they're looking at and fighting against a 6-6 six and six, uh, season.
1: Washington State edges out Stanford at home. Not edges out, destroy Stanford by 27, 49-22. Both quarterbacks over 1,000 yards combined passing on the game. Let's end this podcast, Ryan, with your Pac-12 Power Rankings from this past weekend. I have a feeling you have Utah at 1 over Oregon.
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, I've changed up a few things. Utah and Oregon have bounced back and forth. So this week I got Utah at 1, Oregon at 2, University of Washington at 3, USC at 4, Wazoo and Oregon State at 5A and 5B, 7 is UCLA, 8 Colorado, 9 Arizona State, 10 Cal, 11 Stanford, and rounding at the bottom once again is uh, at 12 uh, are the Arizona Wildcats. Ryan's
1: power ranking for the Pac-12. We're going to get you his thoughts on the upcoming week 13 on our next podcast dropping on Thursday. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcasting Network.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.